from Spam 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 Humbug. I'm Kenneth Cooley, better known as WTF Dragon, and this is a complete reading of Andrea Cantato's Through the Moongate. Chapter 16, Ultima 4, Quest of the Avatar. In a sense, the game grew up with its audience. Hertz JC, Joystick Nation, 1997. All the information is available. You just have to dig it out. So expect to spend quite some time with this epic. It's a major undertaking. Scorpia, Review of Ultima 4, Computer Gaming World, January, February, 1986. Before the release of Ultima 3, Richard Garriott had already started working on his next Ultima, which would be a revolution for CRPGs. The game engine for it would change so much over the course of its two-year development that it carried little resemblance to Exodus, despite the clear legacy. During development, Richard took several opportunities to explain some of the revolutionary innovations he intended to include in his new game. In an interview published shortly after the release of Exodus, he revealed that he was already working on the sequel, and that players would have to contend with a path to progress in 16 virtues, twice as many as in the final product. In the meantime, reading player feedback, Richard realized the extent of how much his work had been sifted through, and some particularly engaged players found meanings and messages that Richard had never inserted intentionally. Others went so far as to call him a satanic corrupter of the American youth, due to LeBay's cover art. Taking the feedback seriously, he incorporated changes. The setting would be more coherent, removing the sci-fi elements and expanding upon discrete cameos from his friends and collaborators, often with their SCA names, as a tribute for their support. To this point, Richard had written games mainly to test his ability as a programmer. The writing of each game focused on reworking the code and adding features that made it more streamlined and efficient. Just because there was space on the floppy disk, he added the space battle in Ultima, imagining that everyone likes to shoot down TIE fighters between the rescue of a princess and the final clash with Mondain. After Ultima 3, however, something had changed. Richard asked himself, for the first time, what he would really want to include in his work. Fresh from his experience with the zealots who had branded him as a Satanist, he decided to free his work from any religious references to avoid further controversy. The initially conceived 16 virtues were replaced by a new model created specifically for the game. Richard introduced a new world, which reflected some continuity with the previous episodes in the series that in the meantime had gathered a certain number of fans. After Exodus's defeat, Cesaria experienced an era of cultural, economic, and civil blossoming. The people gathered under the wise and enlightened guidance of Lord British to form a new kingdom, Britannia. They were following the eight virtues, but needed spiritual guidance. Somebody would serve as an example by becoming the avatar of the virtues. Once again, the stranger from another world was called by Lord British. This time the task was not to save the world from a fearsome enemy, but to pursue the eight virtues and transcend to the state of avatar. To crown the feat, the player would descend into the great Stygian Abyss, a clear reference to Dante's Divine Comedy, which Richard read during the programming of Ultima IV to draw inspiration for the player's final journey, in search of the Codex of Ultimate Wisdom. Prior to the game's release, Garriott announced in an interview that to finish the game, the player had to embody a paradigm shift, adapting to the revolution devised with Roe Adams III. For the first time in a CRPG, the purpose of an adventure was not to defeat an enemy, but to accomplish an abstract undertaking in this case, embodying the eight virtues. In retrospect, it is evident why the two-year period preceding the publication of Ultima IV was so difficult and challenging. Richard suffered from both anxiety and gastritis because of the enormous pressure. 
creating a new way of playing was not just a challenge in his programming skills, but a big and dangerous bet. Would the public appreciate it? Would the players understand the novelty? For an audience that was used to an interface which had changed very little over the course of four years, the first moments of the game were likely disorienting. No character creation, no statistics. Instead, players were greeted by a full-fledged introduction. Richard opted to use a style similar to the narrative method of Roberta Williams' graphic adventures, an almost full screen of memorable art, underlined with the first sentences of the new game. The day is warm, yet there is a cooling breeze. The latest in a series of personal crises seems insurmountable. You are being pulled apart in all directions. Yet this afternoon walk in the countryside slowly brings relaxation to your harried mind. The soil and stain of modern high-tech living begins to wash off in layers. That willow tree near the stream looks comfortable and inviting. The buzz of dragonflies and the whisper of the willow's swaying branches bring a deep peace. Searching inward for tranquility and happiness, you close your eyes. A high-pitched cascading sound like crystal wind chimes impinges on your floating awareness. As you open your eyes, you see a shimmering blueness rise from the ground. The sound seems to be emanating from this glowing portal. So began the player's journey into the world of Britannia. Then followed a dialogue with a fortune teller, a trope Garriad would reuse again and again, based on hypothetical situation that imposed moral choices, clarifying which of the eight virtues was most important to the player and determining their starting profession. Each question was a choice between two virtues. For example... Entrusted to deliver an uncounted purse of gold, thou dost meet a poor beggar. Dost thou A. Deliver the gold, knowing that the trust in thee was well placed, or B. Show compassion, giving the beggar a coin, knowing it won't be missed. These few rounds of questions, to eliminate all but one virtue the player cared most about, were already part of the adventure. And then the player was reminded that Ultima 4 was a journey that required much more than the usual skills needed to complete a video game in the mid-1980s. Determination, patience, stubbornness, and scrupulous application of the system of trial and error would not be enough. It was necessary for the player to identify and live the virtues within the game's world as the ultimate goal, to transcend to avatarhood. CRPGs had grown up from merely adopting some rules and mechanics from the fantasy setting of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, to embracing role-playing in the most complete sense of the word. The in-game experience of Ultima 4 resembled Ultima 3, with one notable innovation, a fog of war. Trees, walls, and closed doors hampered the view and prevented the player from knowing what was around the corner or beyond the nearest row of trees. The game began without a party similar to earlier Ultimas. The simple, single-word dialogue system where NPCs answered with new clues when the right keyword was typed in wasn't extended, but played a much larger role. Instead of advancing levels by killing monsters, the game revolved around collecting clues about the virtues. Some of the NPCs would also accept offers to join the player as companions, forming a party of up to eight. The tile-based graphics system didn't change much, beside the evolution in graphical fidelity and the addition of tiles specific to dungeons during tactical combat. The game engine was reworked to accommodate a party twice the size of that in the previous game. Unbeknownst to the user, the biggest differences in Ultima 4 were completely invisible, the engine kept track of the player's actions, or more specifically, their behavior. Players accustomed to stealing from merchants, killing jesters to save princesses, and getting gold, would find that their dubious activities would not lead to success. The player had to make a paradigm shift in themselves to identify with their role. The end no longer justified the means, and if the foreigner wanted to become an avatar, the player had to act accordingly. NPCs likewise played a larger role in the game. One could run into beggars and donate to them, thus taking a small step to obtain the virtue of compassion, or by defeating an evil enemy, achieve progress in the virtue of valor. 
Each action had a consequence, invisible but nonetheless important, and the final success was the sum of all these small steps taken during the game. For every virtue, Richard implemented a system that, based on the player's actions or choices, would either advance or hinder their progress. In addition, every virtue had a representative city and sanctuary, along with an NPC that embodied it perfectly. And each virtue had a corresponding dungeon and Moongate, a portal leading to each city. Moongates were remnants of the map from Time Bandits. Some of these systems were quite intuitive. In addition to giving experience through the same mechanics as in Ultima 3, combat with monsters gave valor to the player character, provided that the opponent was evil. Others were less immediate to understand. It was possible, for example, to buy reagents from a blind seller and pay less than necessary, taking advantage of the dealer's disability. In this case, however, the player lost points in justice, while being honest gave a small progress toward obtaining that virtue instead. This hidden change was one of many systems implemented by Garriott to force the user, accustomed to stealing and killing for convenience, to change their way of play and reflect on their actions. It would be many years before it became commonplace in CRPGs to present the player with moral dilemmas, forcing them to deal with the consequences of their actions. The novel system introduced by Richard would remain a curious and unusual thing. Yet, the mark had been made, and games like Mass Effect, in which the player was often called to determine between the virtuous way, Paragon, or the ruthless way, Renegade, are clearly heirs to the system introduced for the first time by Ultima IV in 1985. Unfortunately, the result was not without its flaws. Firstly, the fact that these mechanics were unknown to the player meant that players were unaware if any wrong decisions were being made. For example, it was possible to lose compassion points for letting evil creatures escape in a fight, or to lose points in spirituality for reciting the wrong mantra at a shrine, or in humility for speaking proudly to an NPC. For Richard, all of these actions could only have negative consequences, but the simple dialogue system sometimes led to penalizing the player for accidentally selecting an incorrect interaction. In an interview with Computer Gaming World, given shortly after August of 1985, Richard explained that at Origin, he had only tested and completed Ultima 4 before it shipped. It was published with a series of very serious bugs, capable of ruining the gaming experience or making it much more difficult to complete. Some fundamental dialogues, for example, were linked to incorrectly written keywords. Research, spelt R-E-A-S-E-A-R-C-H, instead of R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, for example. The total lack of playtesting deprived Garriott of any feedback, and some serious flaws affected players' enjoyment of the final game. Several of the keywords in conversations were anything but intuitive, unfortunately. This also included some of the indispensable ones. Nonetheless, Ultima 4 was immediately and triumphantly welcomed by critics. Computer Gaming World, which had given so much space to the author before the release of his last game, reviewed Quest of the Avatar, judging it an incredible game, predicting that it would become a classic. Equally positive was the evaluation in Dragon Magazine, which wrote the following year about Ultima 4, calling it the most impressive and complex adventure to date. On September 16, 1985, versions of Ultima 4 for Apple II and Commodore 64 were released, while the Atari 800 port would arrive only the following year. The PC version would not come out before 1987, as the platform did not use the MOS 6502 and required a complete re-implementation. This strong focus on the 10-year-old CPU would have serious consequences in the near future. Again, the Apple II enjoyed a soundtrack written by Ken Arnold, a composition of nine tracks, some inspired or taken from Exodus. Designed for users with a mocking board, his music was also brought to the Commodore 64, but not the Atari 800 or PC, despite the latter enjoying the first commercial sound cards. On the other hand, the graphics were superior, 
on PC thanks to the new EGA video cards that recently had become available. Some of the design errors in the game, it should be noted, were easier to circumvent. Shamino, Richard Garriott's other alter ego, together with three other NPCs, surround the Ankh of Spirituality, the symbol of the virtue of spirituality in the game, and prevent the player from approaching and interacting with it. The player could talk to Shamino and convince him to join the party, thus making space to approach the Ankh, but only if the main character was not a ranger. In this case, Shamino could not be recruited and the player's only option was to attack one of the four NPCs, with serious consequences to valor, honor, and compassion. Despite these issues, the public again rewarded OSI with sales of over 300,000 units, giving them the coveted breath of fresh air needed to keep accounting in order until the completion of Ultima IV's inevitable sequel. The game was sold in a material-rich packaging. The box, with a cover by Denis Loubet, was accompanied by the usual fabric map depicting the world of Britannia, which will remain substantially unchanged in following chapters. The book, The History of Britannia, containing information on the game environment and professions, a bestiary of monsters, and a concluding note written by Lord British himself. The book, The Book of Mystic Wisdom, describing 26 spells with their reagents and a metal pendant in the shape of an ankh, identical to what was given to the stranger during his search for the virtues. Richard Garriott was very satisfied with his work. It proved a CRPG could be deeper and more personal than other games like Wizardry, and the audience responded enthusiastically, although ultimately the implementation was rudimentary and didn't always work. Even Dave Arneson, co-creator of Dungeons & Dragons, Richard Garriott's first inspiration for creating games, gave Ultima IV credit for having tried to go beyond the known horizon of skills, life points, characteristics, fighting, and experience accumulation. Arneson, however, had also correctly observed that Garriott's experiment remained an isolated phenomenon, an extravagance in the world of video games that would take many, many years before having a successor. Ultima IV's main competitor was not another sequel of a known behemoth in the world of CRPGs, but an unexpected newcomer destined to become the head of a new dynasty. Released just 10 days before Quest of the Avatar, September 3, 1985, by Electronic Arts on behalf of Interplay, Tales of the Unknown, Volume 1, was intended to be the first chapter of a saga. The title, being slightly clunky, and the box design blending it in with the background, emphasized the slicker subtitle, The Bard's Tale. The creator, Michael Cranford, said this about the title. This particular class simply stood out the most during development because of the unique nature of the class and the musical aspect of the game, and we had a consultant who named the game after the Bard class. I didn't name the game, so the Bard became central because people at Interplay and EA loved it. The music also inspired the revised name of the game. I did not come up with a name. It was third-party consultant Roe Adams. Cranford had conceived and designed and programmed almost everything, receiving support from Lawrence Holland for the music, who would later make a career at LucasArts Entertainment Company directing major titles such as X-Wing and TIE Fighter, and from Brian Fargo, founder of Interplay, and producer of projects such as Wasteland, Star Trek, 25th Anniversary, and Fallout, who designed some of the levels. Rebecca Ann Heineman, at the time Bill Heineman, known later for porting ID titles to the 3DO, such as Wolfenstein and Doom, wrote some of the data compression procedures. In addition to these, Roe Adams III had given a hand in design, earning him an accreditation for additional design. Adams was at the same time involved with Ultima, Wizardry, and The Bard's Tale, something that allowed him to insert his beloved Scarabray into two of these titles, and his favorite alter ego, Hawkwind of Scarabray, into all three. Strongly inspired by wizardry, in The Bard's Tale, 
The player created and managed a party of six heroes, tasked with saving the town of Scarabray, whose inhabitants had mysteriously disappeared at the hands of an evil wizard, Mangar. The user interface and turn-based combat system followed the common style established by wizardry. The Bard's Tale immediately distinguished itself with the beautiful art in its perspective view. Enemies were well-designed by David Lowry and even equipped with rudimentary animations, a complex system of 85 spells, the presence of numerous well-designed puzzles, and the character of the Bard, the class that gave its name to the game, were refreshing and well-received. The Bard, a character class designed to support the companions with buff and debuff spells, would become an often copied trope in later CRPGs. Though less innovative overall than Ultima 4, the Bard's Tale had much greater commercial success, selling 400,000 copies in total on numerous platforms, from Apple II to PC to the Commodore 64 to the ZX Spectrum. Part of the success also came from the choice of the wizardry creators not to sell their title on the Commodore 64 until 1987, and on the very interesting feature to import player parties from Ultima and Wizardry. The star of the Bard's Tale was not destined to last, however. The second chapter, published only a year later in 1986, was less successful both commercially and critically. Differences between Cranford and Fargo led to the removal of the first from Interplay, and the third chapter, published in 1988, saw the light of day without his involvement, achieving less and less compelling reviews and sales. The fourth Bard's Tale, developed at EA, had to undergo a sudden change of IP when collaboration between Interplay and EA broke down. It would take 30 years for The Bard's Tale 4 to materialize in 2018, this time developed by InXile Entertainment, the company founded by Brian Fargo after leaving Interplay. Although imperfect and inferior in terms of sales, Ultima 4 represented one of the proudest moments in Richard Garriott's career. The following successful years would see many other acclaimed projects come and go, but from a creative and innovative point of view, it would take another dozen years for Richard to be able to imagine an equally new and revolutionary game that would change the market forever. To learn more, subscribe to Spam 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 Humbug on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Anchor.fm at anchor.fm slash podcast or at Spam 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 Humbug.com. To find out more about Through the Moongate, visit Thera.it. That's T-H-E-I-R-A dot I-T. You can also find the book on Amazon. And of course, you can learn more about the book and its author at AndreaCantado.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-C-O-N-T-A-T-O dot com. A big thank you to author Andrea Cantato for not only undertaking the effort of writing through the Moongate, but also for agreeing to allow for it to be read to you in this and following Spam 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 Humbug episodes. Tune in in a couple weeks' time for the next chapter. I'm going to make some games and I'll show them to you when I'm done.